Welcome back to The Backmarkers, the F1 podcast for new fans by new fans. I'm Mike Hurley and I am joined by Austin Evans. Hi, Austin. Good morning, my fine friend. What a oh, wonderful buddy. time to have this a is so Grand Prix. <laughs> I have never recorded a podcast before breakfast. Yeah, it's currently 12.18 in the morning here on the West Coast, and uh, mm-hmm. I've never recorded a podcast after 3 p.m., so this let's is go. Good. This is fun. I was thinking, is this the most extreme for the two of us? It's got to be. It's got to be because, yeah. generally speaking, most of the races are much more friendly to European time, but I think Australian yeah. is one of the few Grand Prix which is just completely out of there for everyone, except for our uh, fine Australian friends. But uh, yep. we got we got a race to talk about. I wish you, we I sure think do. we have a weekend to talk about. Thankfully, with a lot less explodey things than uh, <clears throat> last episode, which is always nice to see. Uh, but I think actually, before we go into everything, Mike, I think we have mm-hmm. a couple things we have to talk about in the world of Formula One. Yeah. So we were talking last time about the possibility of another American Grand Prix being added because Vegas was heavily rumored, and Vegas, baby, next year. There's going to be a race on the strip. I am very excited. Mildly terrified of how okay. completely crazy Vegas is going to be when an F1 race rolls into town. I mean, talk about a spectacle. But that race is going to look phenomenal, even if the track might not be the most exciting. Uh, yeah. I'm excited. I think though. they are going for looks, right? It's basically an oval. Like, they're going for looks. <laughs> but, like, hey, if you're going to race in Vegas, right, you've got to go down the strip. And yep. that's going to mean... You're on the streets, right? There's not a lot they can do with it. Personally, I'm cool with it because it's going to be an absolutely fantastic looking race. And talking about time, the expectation is, now the rumors are saying this hasn't been announced yet, about it being a night race uh, in yes. Vegas. Yeah, Which, which I think makes mean, a lot of sense. Do it in the daytime, what's the point? Yeah, know? yeah, absolutely. And that would actually mean that it is a Saturday night race on the West Coast for local time, which would be probably terrible for everyone else but it'd be great uh for me i just hang no, out not too bad actually you do like a 10 a, a 10 p.m start or a 10 p.m race i think was was potentially rumored uh would be around the same time as uh the australian race for me on the oh, okay so no big deal just wake up head into the studio mm-hmm. we'll of course record live in las vegas um because we're both gonna go <laughs> and we're gonna expense it because it's a back markers business expense yep. that we of course need to report uh, live from the race. But speaking of the race, hey, we should don't think go I haven't considered something like that, by the way. <laughs> so if anyone uh, who's listening to the Backmarkers would like to come and join Mike and I, we'll be chilling uh, in the like the pool in Vegas, you know, watching <laughs> the, the race. in Caesar's and- Palace. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So why don't we catch up with what happened with this race, which was mm-hmm. an interesting one. So uh, just kind of just top line. Uh, Charles Leclerc. Give us the recap, the Austin. Give us the recap. Come on. Absolutely. So uh, Ferrari's looking good as they have the last couple of races, and Leclerc dominated the race. So going to, through the order, we've got uh, Checo Perez in P2. We've got George Russell in P3 rounding out the podium. And then going through the rest of the top 10, we have Lewis, who got a P4. Very strong weekend for Mercedes. We've got Norris in P5 and Ricardo in P6. Again, a very impressive showing for McLaren, especially considering what the last couple of races have looked like. And then going down the rest of the points finishers, we have Alcon in 7th, Bottas in 8th, Gasly in 9th, and Albon in 10th. And we're definitely going to give a little shout-out to, to Alex on 
a unusual race that absolutely netted Williams their first points of the year. In fact, actually, I believe Williams now that they have points. The only team that hasn't scored points <clears throat> are friends in green and Aston Martin. Yeah. Yep. That's a <laughs> they've had an unfortunate start though, Aston, but we'll get to that in a bit. I want to give a little bit of context for this race because this is the first Australian Grand Prix since 2019. It's the first time I've seen an Australian Grand Prix. What did you think, Mike? It's a beautiful track. Yes. Yeah, especially the it's time they do it. It's a very good looking track. Yeah. yeah, you can see like the sun starting to come down. You've got the yeah. lake there. You've got Melbourne in the background. Yeah, beautiful track. I'd love to go to an Australian Grand Prix in person at some point. But yeah, especially, you oh, know, yeah. we've had, you know, the last couple of races of last year were in the Middle East. We had the first couple as well. So it's a nice little change of scenery to have a little bit of green out there. And uh, yeah, I mean, obviously the, the racing has been definitely changed because Albert Park, the circuit that they're racing at, has been pretty heavily overhauled since the last time F1 was in town to facilitate more overtaking um because while it's a beautiful it's like track, a, a, all drs that track right like just every <laughs> every straight every corner it's just drs everywhere man let's just do it well i mean i know that there was a race a couple years ago in australia that only had like a couple of overtakes or something like it was really really rough but certainly seems better i think uh we'll have to get the final count i don't think it was as much overtaking as a lot of other tracks on the calendar but i don't yep. think it's like as bad as monaco or something like certainly some of the changes they did and yep. the amount of uh, of drs zones definitely helped out a lot there yeah i saw there was a lot of um consternation on twitter over the last week or so about the changes to the track of adding in i think there were four uh, drs zones at the end i mean i don't know what it was like before from my own experience as i said but i found today's race really exciting again so whatever it was that they did i mean it gets a thumbs up from me because it was close racing, a lot of overtaking. Um, I, there was definitely not as much overtaking as in previous races, I feel like, but enough to keep me excited. You know, like the, when the race started, I wasn't sure, right? I, I was thinking, oh, is this going to be our first quiet race? But mm, no, it, yeah. it definitely wasn't. And and I am starting to cautiously believe that there won't be quiet races this year. I think Ooh. maybe with the exception of something, ah, 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 with the exception of the obvious ones, so like Monaco, Mm-hmm. You know, like, because, but other than that, I feel like they have built, I think they've done a good job of building the cars this year, that there is always going to be some kind of fighting is how it feels. And, and that's very exciting to me. Yeah, there's a lot of excitement. Um, they actually, one of the things that they did change fairly last minute, I think it was right either before FP3 or for qualifying, they actually cut from four DRS zones to three. Yep. So they actually only had They're three in the race. In the chat. Matt yeah. and you in the chat are saying they, they dropped it to three in the end, which is a exactly. Good and then on top of that, there were only two detection zones. So I believe it was going across the start finish line, and then after turn one or two or whatever, those two zones had one detection. So basically, if you were behind there, you had a double helping of DRS, which certainly helped a lot of people in the race. But yeah, I, I definitely think it was an improvement. And also, just looking at the way that the race went, it certainly seems like there's going to be drama for a while, even if the racing isn't spectacular, which again, we've got three races to prove that these cars can follow much more closely that obviously, you know, they're still going to have issues with tires and, and whatnot. But generally speaking, it does seem like it is much more possible to race DRS aside. I and mean, we even saw a couple of passes of, you know, like Checo sending it around the outside, which is really exciting. And I guess a little shout out to Checo. Uh, obviously, P2 was great, and it was assisted by the fact that Max did not finish. But he had some really solid moves around Lewis earlier in the mm -hmm. race, and he—he, he, I felt like he was doing his fair share of passing to make sure that he was up in those podium places. 
Before we start digging into the race itself a little bit more, uh, was there anything you wanted to cover from qualifying? I mean, the Latifi and Stroll crash was bizarre. Now, if we wouldn't get struck into oblivion by uh, Formula uh, One, we would show a clip of it. Um, but I would highly recommend to <laughs> Here we watch. go, look. You just, these two cars are going towards each other. Bang. Oh, they exploded. There you go. <laughs> I think so, that was how it went. It was wild. So uh, there was some kind of mix up because I guess Latifi was trying to let Stroll by and then they passed him and then he wasn't paying attention. Um, I, it's hard to describe. You really should go and watch. I believe it's the F1 channel. They have uh, like a highlight of it or a, a low light, I should say. Um, super bizarre incident. <laughs> uh, yeah. And another issue for Williams and Latifi, which is not great. Um, and also Stroll. It just, it was, it was bad. Uh, the whole weekend, I think, was bad for Aston Martin. A um, couple other things. Alonso was on pace for a terrific lap when he crashed in qualifying, which is unfortunate, which sent him to P10 and kind of his race never really quite came together. And Carlos. Carlos was super unlucky given that he was on track for a really good lap in qualifying. Mm -hmm. Then the red flag flew. He wasn't able to finish his lap. He wasn't able to get the next lap in. He started from, I believe, ninth. And then from there, oh boy. Uh, so here's the thing. Just a little... Inside baseball, right? So Mike and I, before we did the podcast, we always were texting nonstop throughout the race. But as soon mm -hmm. as we started doing the backmarkers, we decided, look, we can't burn all our good topics and all our no. conversation before we're, uh, before we're live. Uh, when Carlos spun out and beached it, I was immediately like, Mike, I know I'm not supposed to text you right now, but oh! Yeah. It was pretty rough. He's, he's not had a great weekend. Uh, as you said, like it, it was also uh, Alonso suffered from uh, the Latifi Stroll crash as well, right? Didn't he have a crash? He ended up put out of having a crash of his own too, I think, right? But um, didn't, didn't Alonso have some kind of uh, mishap yeah, as I well actually, as the red I flag? I think Alonso was the red flag that meant that Carlos didn't oh. completely. I, I believe so, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, because I think uh, the previous incident was in like Q1, I want to say, or maybe it was Q2, good, but it was, yeah. it was an earlier Obviously, session. I didn't watch qualifying this week. I wasn't going to wake up at quarter to six in the morning two, weekend, two days in a row. I just wasn't going to do it, so I didn't see qualifying. I just watched a bunch of highlights. It I was up, so. very late, and I may have fallen asleep at one point, but uh, we won't talk yeah. about that. It's fine. I Old watched the whole Austin. race. Old man Austin. <laughs> Look, man, these are these are not good. These, this is tryhard hours, right? I'm not a, uh -huh. I'm not out here to be a tryhard. Um, what, Mike? Were some of the other highlights for you through the race? Because I know it was for me, yeah. it was a fun race, but also was not the most exciting, especially when you know Charles was five miles out in front of everyone else for the most part. All right, so I can either talk about the thing I would obviously talk about, or I could talk about something else. Which one would you prefer? At this talk about what we all know you're about to talk about, Mike. My boys. My boys in silver, let's just say, Mercedes looking much more competitive this week. Oh, in general, right? Obviously, fine. George Russell, come on, boy. I was so excited. Third, uh, he's got his first proper race podium. I'm so happy for him. Uh, you know, as always, very humble. Oh, George saw the post-race interview. Like, he's still talking about, you know, we gotta, we're still going to get it. We're going to do it, you know. But I was, I was really happy with Mercedes' uh, performance this week. I think they are doing the absolute most that they can with what they've got right now. They were just looking more competitive in general. Uh, mm -hmm. Like the gaps to uh, Red Bull were closer than they have been in previous weeks. Um, and it is helped by the fact, I mean, just like from an optics perspective, that McLaren massively improved uh, yes. in this week. Massive. You know, double points finish 
from nothing uh, so far, which is hopefully some good news for Mercedes powertrains in general. Yeah, that was one of the things that we've you know, obviously talked a lot about the last couple of episodes and that, you know, going into this year, you know, they've obviously got all new cars, but it's easy to forget that also a lot of the power units have been pretty majorly upgraded mm-hmm. and the Mercedes vehicles have just been all the way at the back with the exception of the works team. So this is, I think, the first race we've actually seen Mercedes be competitive, not only with the works team kind of getting that P3 and P4, but also we saw McLaren looking far stronger, which to be fair, it does seem like some of the improvement there is less so that they made a big gain, but just that this track was a little bit more well-suited to the way that the McLaren is kind of set up. It wasn't kind of hitting a lot of their more sort of weaker points. So I do think we have to take this as a little bit of grain of salt. This is probably McLaren kind of performing toward the top end of what they can do at the moment. But it's definitely nice to see. And it's also one of the things where the Ferrari cars, you know, you see like the Alpha and the Haas, they were not the rocket ships that we've seen the last couple of races. They did well. They did reasonable. But it was not like, you know, you see Kevin Magnuson all the way up hassling, you know, Lewis Hamilton or something. Like there was definitely a little bit more of the quote unquote traditional finishing order that we're a little bit more used to. Um, Yeah, I agree with what you're saying about the McLaren, um, that it doesn't necessarily mean that something massive has changed. But I think what it shows, though, is that, it isn't that the Mercedes engine isn't running as well, but mm-hmm. it's not just that Mercedes can pull out any performance, right? Because how it's been for the past two races, Mercedes are finishing top of the field. The right. rest of the Mercedes power cars are right at the back. Yep. And yep. that's now switched up. Aston Martin excluded. Aston, not a great weekend for them in general. I mean, it, think about it, right? Like, maybe it's easy to forget. This is Seb's first race. Mm-hmm. Like, he had a terrible race in the end, right? Like, it, yeah. it, he, uh, did he end up, was it, he crashed, right? Yeah, he, he crashed, he, he, he put it into the wall in the end. Yeah, actually, I think Seb may have, I think, if I recall correctly, Seb spun, yeah. kept going, and then spun and crashed again, which, to be fair, yeah. that corner was kind of toward the end, caught a lot of mm-hmm. people out when they kind of slid across the grass, but yeah, rough. I mean, Lance was weaving um, quite aggressively, got himself a penalty for that. Uh, mm-hmm. There was a lot of shenanigans. Aside from the weaving, though, Lance Lance put in a decent performance, right? Like, yeah. without that penalty, I mean, he probably wouldn't have stayed where he was without the weaving, but without that penalty, he could have ended up finishing in the points, right? But that just wasn't going to happen for him. Yeah, yeah, it was... Aston, I think, especially coming off the highs of, of 2020, right, where, you know, they mm-hmm. did tremendously well and, you know, they were super, super competitive. Um, last year was a little rough, but, you know, I think they kind of wrote that off as like, you know, we're, we're investing in the future. And to be fair, they're spending an enormous amount of time and money building like all new facilities and stuff. So this stuff does take a little time before we really see the fruits of the labor. But uh, you got to imagine the the mood in the team is not super cheerful right now, um, especially if yep. some of the rumors as far as the, the, the pressure that they are under right now. Uh, you got to feel for them. Uh, P10, three races in, <laughs> zero points. Not great. And they are now the only team to score no points. Yeah, that uh, it's rough. It's really with Williams rough. getting a weird point, dude. Weird race today. Out to Alex, man. Uh, wow. So, uh, Latifi 
wasn't really doing much, but um, Alex did a mega stint. He essentially did the entire race distance up until the last lap on his original hard set of tires. Now, if you're a newer fan of Formula One, what you may not know is that there's a rule in that every driver has to use at least two different compounds, right? So every race, they have Mm -hmm. a soft, a medium, and a hard. So if you start on the medium, you have to, at some point in the race, switch either to the soft or the hard. Even if it's for the lap, it doesn't matter, but you have to do two different kinds of compounds. And so what they were sort of banking on with Williams and with with Albon is that there would be a safety car or something that would allow him to take like a cheaper pit stop so he can get in and out and not lose quite so much time. It ultimately ended uh, not happening. But what did happen is that he did so well on his original set of tires that literally no one else tried to make it the entire race distance with that even though it was the very last lap when he went to go pit and swap tires, he was actually able to barely stay ahead and get that last point, come in 10th place, and get Williams their very first points of the year. Uh, I know we're probably skipping ahead a little bit to the later part of the show, but that was a tremendous effort. I mean, that... So did Albon finish in the pit? Lane. Oh, that's a good question. No, I believe he was coming in for the end of the last lap. The lap fifty-seven, I, or fifty-eight. Ooh, I think so because I think he got out, finished the lap, and he finished the last lap. I'm pretty right. sure. Yeah, because I don't think if you yeah, come it, into the pits, it, that was kind of about the point where I was getting ready to leave home to get to the studio so we could record. So I didn't see everyone cross the finish line. Uh, but it was interesting. This was something that I noted, I think it was in race one, where it seemed very clear that Lewis could have run the entire race on the hard tire. Yeah. So there is definitely something this year from, it seems like these cars from a, a, a tire management perspective can do pretty well if they're managed well, especially on the hard. But yeah. I've got to say for Alex, it was a mammoth performance. Oh, Mammoth absolutely. performance from him. It was super impressive, right? And I mean, you know, it's obviously been a tough start of the year for Williams. They've not been, I think, where they wanted to be. They haven't taken the step that someone like Haas has been able to do. That being said, Alex is doing a super job in the car, basically taking advantage of everything he can. And uh, his teammate maybe not quite making quite such good progress. Um, I want to talk about Latifi again in a second, but I just want to confirm from Nicola and Damien uh, in the chat, because we we stream and record this live on YouTube straight after every race, you can come in and hang out with us. We're also, something we hadn't mentioned before, we hang out after we finish recording. So after we finish recording, we're always hanging out doing a bit of Q&A with the people who are watching live uh, on YouTube just because we're setting stuff up and stuff. So if you want to be a part of it and join us live after every race, go to backmarkers.live. That's where our YouTube channel is. You'll be able to follow along live. But uh, Nicola and Damien confirmed that he did do one full lap on the medium, so he must have changed on 57. And Nicola said he came out three-tenths of a second in front of P11 on that final lap to put in what he needed, which I will just say, like, on the fresh tires immediately coming out, and I don't know what he went on to. I guess softs, right? I'm going to assume he probably went on softs. Mm -hmm. Uh, Seriously incredible performance from Albon. You've got to assume Williams are feeling very confident with uh, having signed him. But I want to talk about Latifi because we mentioned it last week, like, you know, kind of like what's his deal, and we were looking into it. Uh, me and my wife Adina a little bit. She's very good at finding out all this information for me. Uh, Latifi's dad is an owner or very high up in the company in a company called Safina S O F I N A, who's ah. on the back of the. But here's the weird thing: Safina is a conglomerate company of brands. So okay. no one really Safina is not a brand name you'd know. It's like 
if they put Yum brands, right, oh. on the back of a car. So it's like you don't really know the companies as a part of Yum brands. It's like KFC. Pizza. So it's interesting. He, so they put, it's the Safina branding, but it would probably make, I think it would make more sense if they maybe just picked some of the more consumer-facing brands for that. But that's where the money's coming from for Latifi. Mm-hmm. I've got to ask the question of Williams. Is it worth it for them? Like, you know, I was incredibly surprised when they kept him on. Yeah. Because I didn't know. I didn't know that he was uh, a big sponsor uh, driver previously. Mm. Yeah, it, I think it should say something that uh, as a couple of, uh, I would say, fairly hardcore F1 fans at this point who have stared at a Sofina logo on a Williams for a couple of years that neither of us had even registered nope. that that existed. I was like, <laughs> don't know what that is, don't care. That's how I feel about some of them. Like, whatever. Some brands, I'm like, what is that? But that one, nope. I don't know why. It's like, doesn't mean anything. God, yeah. Rough weekend. A rough weekend for them. Um, mm-hmm. But on the absolute polar opposite end of things, Talk about a dream weekend for Ferrari. Yep. Asterisk if you're on the right uh, yeah. side of the garage. Not dream. <laughs> yeah. Half the half the team dream. Other half not. Right. So two things I wanted to say about uh, Leclerc. One is f- he looked like he was porpoising much more aggressively than a lot of the other teams to me. Yeah. When he was going down one of the straights. Yeah. And I found that interesting because the whole conversation is, oh, Mercedes, they're porpoising. They can't find the, spe- the, the, the speed. But I think it's clear to see that you can, it's not just that for them, right? Because if Ferrari were porpoising, but he was a good 20 seconds ahead mm. of Red Bull. So, yeah, what, what seems to be the issue is that most of the teams, although not all, I think Red Bull is one of the few teams that doesn't visually seem to have a lot of the porpoising issues, which again, if you're new to Formula One, porpoising is a little bit of a newer phenomenon um, because the way that these cars are designed, the older cars de- generate a lot of their downforce from the over, like the top of the cars to push it down. Mm-hmm. These cars use what's known as ground effect, which means that a lot of what kind of keeps that car sucked to the ground is actually underneath the car. So essentially it speeds the air up, kind of compresses it and sort of just sucks that car down to the ground. The problem that they're running into is that because these cars have to ride really low to make sure that suction is being maximally taken advantage of, as soon as you go over a little bump or you're going the wrong speed or whatever, it can sort of detach. And so the car will spring up and then suck down and spring up and suck down. And that's what the porpoising effect that everyone keeps talking about is. And one of the interesting things about the way that it is happening to different vehicles, it happens a lot to the Ferraris, right? You see as they're going down the straight, they're just bouncing around. It looks like they're on like a super bumpy road. But the difference is, is that for the Ferraris specifically, it's only affecting them in a straight, which maybe slows them down a touch. But as soon as they actually go into the braking zone, start turning, it kind of goes away. Whereas with the Mercedes, they're still bouncing through the corner. And that's really where you mm-hmm. lose the speed because you need to not only have the confidence as a driver to really send it into a corner to hit your braking point and everything, but also you need that sort of the, the tires to be really squished down into the ground to give you the grip. And if you're going into the corner and suddenly your car is like sort of like skipping and it's not sort of settled, you're not going to have the pace. I think that's one of the big differences between Ferrari and Mercedes in that you can, you know, anyone can get rid of porpoising if you crank your ride height up but then you're going to be losing speed elsewhere. So it's like, it's just trying to find that right balance, which it yep. doesn't seem like anyone has done super successfully outside of maybe Red Bull, but Ferrari have gotten a good enough balance where it might not be a comfortable ride, but it's a fast ride. And I think any race driver would rather be bounced around to win a race than uh, spend uh, <laughs> a more comfortable like fifth place or something. Yeah, and you've got to imagine for a lot of the guys, it doesn't give you confidence going into that corner that the car's with you. And so I can imagine that there are, for some of the drivers, it maybe makes them feel uncomfortable, makes them feel uncertain. 
Um, and then they put, I mean, like for me, my expectation is that there are some drivers and I, and I do believe that the Mercedes drivers would be part of this that would dig in and find that confidence. Mm. You know, I think George and Lewis are two drivers where they will push risks and limits quite a lot. So maybe they're able, they're, they're clearly able to handle it to a, a, to an extent to an extent i don't know necessarily what it's like for the rest of the field but yeah yeah max's red bull dying oh mike <laughs> mike it's my I mean, favorite thing to be I fair i can't help it right i can't help the terrible person that i am yeah but Look, when I, we saw that overhead shot oh i felt felt good for me because i knew what it meant for me right mm. it meant one of my boys was gonna get in and so it makes me happy so there's a lot there. Yeah. So uh, in case you didn't catch the race live, um, Checo did not have any problems. So of course he finished P2. Max was finishing what looked to be a very comfortable P2. There was a couple times where he tried mm-hmm. to get a little punchy, like on one of the restarts. Leclerc, I think, went a little too deep into the first, or I guess the last corner, kind of leading up into the straight. Max is all over him, but he couldn't quite get the move done. Ultimately, it didn't matter because Max had some kind of failure. Uh, not exactly clear what it is right now, but it seemed pretty dramatic because he was fine. And then about four seconds later, his car was just shut off and on the side of the of the road. So, uh, look, it is an incredibly bad look for Red Bull yep. to have Max Verstappen, the reigning world champion, have a DNF out of two of the last three races. Like, that's just mm-hmm. not a way to win a championship. And that looks awful on on their part right i mean at this point if you look at the actual driver standings right leclerc is miles ahead not only of max but miles ahead of everyone right and yep we're three races in to a very long season we've got over 20 races you know sort of in the entire season to 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 think about but a lead like this does not just disappear right leclerc is so far that he could just take a week off and still be comfortably in the lead uh, mm-hmm. Now, obviously, we'll have to see. And I think it'll be one of the interesting things is if Mercedes are really able to get better on top of their car, because they really haven't brought a lot of upgrades yet. This is still mostly the sort of initial spec. They've done a couple of minor changes. But if Mercedes can get some upgrades and sort of unlock more of the performance of the car, Red Bull have completely squandered the first few races where they could have been at least streaking ahead and sort of solidifying that P2. So if yep. Red Bull, at the very least, doesn't get second place this year, these early reliability issues will absolutely be the reason because max was on par for at least a couple of second place finishes that were just thrown away due to the car just not finishing it's massively it's made some massive differences he the funny i think kind of like the funny outcome of this is now uh sergio is the lead point scorer for red bull (laughs) uh, with 30 points to max's 25 max is now sitting sixth in the driver standings uh, my boy George Russell up in second on 37. But that gap, right? So 37 is second. 71 points for Charles Leclerc up at seven, uh, up at first right now. You know, it is a shame, right? Like, uh, I get my joy out of it because I get what I want. You know, I get my boys finishing. But it, it's got to be really frustrating for Max. And, and I do feel for him in that where he, I don't think is that, the point of winning right now. I think it's very, like, you know, frequently I think that uh, Charles is the favorite and mm-hmm. is the leader by a big margin. You can see it on the track. But he shouldn't have only finished 33% of the races so far this season. Yeah. Like, that is not good for him. He is the world champion. 
Like, I don't know exactly what's happening. It was clearly some difference between Max's car and Sergio's car. They kind of confirmed that on the track. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if I'm Max Verstappen, I'm looking at the team now and I'm like, you're not helping me out here, guys. You know, like, whatever the deal is, it's it's not going great for him. I could not agree. I think at this point, it's really starting to look like the competitive order is being set. Now, again... We have to just reiterate, this is early in the season. Lots can and, and absolutely will change, right? But everyone's sort of moving forward at probably roughly the same rate, right? Like, no one's likely to find some crazy thing and suddenly be 10 seconds ahead, right? I think it's just going to be, everyone's going to be sort of irritably working forward. And the question is going to be, some teams are going to take a step forward. Some teams are probably going to stay roughly where they're at. And some teams are going to fall behind, right? And so having a big comfy lead like Ferrari does right now, right? And not only drivers, mm-hmm. but also in constructors, having the ability to not only have what clearly seems to be the fastest car now and to further develop it, but also having an incredibly talented pairing of drivers. I still think Carlos has a lot of performance in him. I still think he has some wins this year coming for him. Yeah. Um, but three races in, this could not look better for Charles Leclerc, and this could not look better for yep. Ferrari, right? Coming off yep. of the last few years of it, things being really tough, it's wild to think about that Leclerc is, what, she's like 70 points, uh, like double, like it's crazy the kind of numbers that we're yep. seeing this early. And what's even worse, like I don't say worse, but even like crazier for the actual just standings, is that last year, you know, Mercedes and Red Bull were neck and neck. And I think Red Bull can challenge but Ferrari seemed pretty comfortably the quickest car out there right now. So I, I want to see a good cha- a challenge. I want to see a good fight. But if this keeps up for even a few more races, that lead might start to look absolutely untouchable. Yeah, I think that it is, you know, honestly, to me, it feels like the season's been going on for longer than three races. Like, yeah. When I just think about it, it feels like it's just, it's just been quite a heavy season so far. Like there's been a lot of stuff going on. We are so early. Um, in the season, you know, and like, yes, Ferrari are at 104, Mercedes at 65, but that difference is two first place victories, you know, mm-hmm. really. Um, so there's a still so much to play for. You know, I was wondering today, I wouldn't be surprised if we end up with a similar result to last year where Charles is the uh, world champion, but the constructor is not Ferrari. I could just imagine that being a situation where you get someone... Again, like I'll just say Mercedes for the sake of argument right now. For the sure. thing being that Mercedes, both drivers of the Mercedes have finished every single race, so they are continuing to rack up points where their competitors are losing points for just not being able to put two people over the finish line so far. That kind of thing can make a huge difference in the long run, right? It's like Absolutely. Mercedes are really struggling right now, but they're putting the points in, and wins and stuff later on could make a big difference for them. Uh, as they move towards the rest of the season. So I am very intrigued to see how the rest of this goes on. Like, I, I don't know, but I think we're still in for a really exciting season. Yeah, absolutely. It's good to see a shakeup. And I think no one who has red blood pumping through their veins isn't a little mm-hmm. happy to see Ferrari up at the front. I mean, you know, I think... I I love it. I mean, you know, for me, this is... If it's not going to be one of the teams that I would want, and there is a couple, it's not just Mercedes. You know, I'd love to see McLaren putting in. I'm a big fan of McLaren and everything that they do over there as well. 
if it's not going to be them, I would like to, it to be Ferrari because I really like Charles Leclerc. I really like Carlos Sainz. I don't personally have a lot of affection for Ferrari, the race team. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't dislike it, but it, I don't, you know, it, it's got all that history in it, which I enjoy. But like, so is Alfa Romeo. You know what I mean? Like, it, there's, sure, there's stuff sure. in there for me, right? Like, Aston Martin has a lot in it for me, just from like a, a what they could be, what they should be, looking at the car brand behind it. Uh, but I do like seeing it. I like seeing the red at the front. I really love seeing Charles putting this in because it's such a surprise, really. You yeah. Know, t- just to see where he is and just how monstrous. You know, like the the race today, he you know he has like a twenty second lead. That's a Max kind of lead. That's a Lewis kind of lead. That's mm-hmm. what I'm used to being to to have seen in the last few years. But now Charles is putting it in there from seemingly, if you weren't paying enough attention, from out of nowhere, which is yeah. so fascinating, right? Yeah, and which is why it's so nice to see the new regulations, right? It's so nice to yeah. see, you know, when the real shakeup we were hoping for. Absolutely, right? Which is good, right? Because I mean, I feel like you look at you know the last couple of eras. You know, obviously Red Bull went off of years of domination straight into Mercedes, wiping the floor with everyone for what six, seven years or whatever. And now it seems like the die has been sort of recast again. Yep. It's easy to get carried away. We're only three races in. But Ferrari's looking incredible right now. Mercedes have done a stellar job of what was not anywhere near the fastest car. Still doing a really good job of scraping together every point they really could have gotten their hands on. And Red Bull have a fast but fragile car that just simply can't quite measure up to Ferrari right now. That's a concern. Uh, You know Christian Horner's going to bed tonight and being like... Yeah. Fast but fragile is a really nice way to put it. Like yeah, that's but it's, kind of the situation that's sitting in right now. It, it's quick, no. not fast. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. It, yeah, it's it's fast, not fast enough. It yep. works, but not well enough. You know, yeah. That's kind of the situation <laughs> that they're in right now. Yeah, it's it's complicated. All right, let's take a break, and then we can start talking about some of our favorites uh, and uh, people that we're picking out from the race. And thank our friends over at Mint Mobile for their support of this episode. If saving more and spending less is one of your top goals for 2022, why are you still paying high amounts of money every single month for wireless service? Switching to Mint Mobile is the easiest way to save this year. As the first company to sell premium wireless service online only, Mint Mobile lets you maximize your savings with plans starting at just $15 a month. Look, here at the back markets, we like to go fast. And Mint Mobile can do two <laughs> things for you fast. One, getting set up, right? You just pop the old SIM out, put the new SIM in, you're ready to go. Two, the speeds that you'll get. Because Mint Mobile is right there giving you fast, premium wireless service every single day. Right, Austin? Absolutely. And that's one of the nice mm-hmm. things about it. Not only is it super fast to get up and running, but when it comes to your cell service, why would you want to pay more when you're not getting more speed or anything? Met Mobile really mm-hmm. kind of delivers everything all in one package, and it's super quick and easy to switch over to. Yeah, because Mint Mobile, all of their plans come with unlimited talk and text, plus that high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network, so you're getting that speed, and you'll be able to get extra savings. So if you're looking for that, Mint Mobile offers premium wireless for just 15 bucks a month. By going online only and eliminating the traditional costs of retail, Mint Mobile passes significant savings on to you. Use your phone with any Mint Mobile plan. You can just use the only one that you have. Keep your same phone number along with all of your contacts. Choose the amount of monthly data that's right for you 
and stop paying for data you never use. Switch to Mint Mobile and get premium wireless service to get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get that plan shipped to your door for free. Go to mintmobile.com slash backmarkers. That's mintmobile.com slash backmarkers. Go there now. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash backmarkers. Our thanks to Mint Mobile for their support of the backmarkers and all of Relay FM. Speaking of backmarkers, Mike, mm-hmm. I think it's about time. We got to pick our favorite backmarker of the race because for the first time, I think this year, we actually had backmarkers. <laughs> okay, but are we, okay, yes, we did. Are either of us actually going to pick a backmarker, though? No, we're not, are we? There's we're one, not going to do it because we both just want to talk about Alex Albon more. Look, a shout out to Alex. I feel like we said it before, and I will absolutely say it again. He did a terrific race. It is not easy. So the thing to, to consider, right, is that not only did we make it all the way through the race on a single set of tires, right, which is very difficult to do. I think Pirelli had said that the tires would be good. His hearts for maybe like 40 laps, and he made it like 50-something. Uh, but on top of that, he actually did a really good job. He was running P7 up until he had to take his yep. pit stop, and he yep. was leaving like you know a bunch of other people behind who were really quick. Mind you, part of that was definitely that Lance Stroll was kind of holding up the pack, which definitely tremendously helped Alex. But it's hard to imagine him being able to do really anything else more in this race, especially considering that he got disqualified from qualifying. Mm-hmm. It's easy to forget that uh, he was, I think he was like P18 or something, but they weren't actually able to get enough fuel out of Albon's car yesterday, which meant that he was instantly disqualified and had to start very, very last, which to be fair, I don't think that would have helped anyway because I think he already had a penalty from last time. But regardless, starting from last, making it all the way up to seventh, taking that last pit stop, landing in 10th. I mean, yep. I know that we've given George a lot of problems Props for his years at Williams for delivering some really standout performances. And I think that this is absolutely sort of in that same kind of category. Alex, Alex. is filling that role now, for sure. Yeah, no, absolutely. But, but this is the thing that makes me sad, that they potentially have a car that if you put the two right drivers in there, they could be pulling in points results, low points results. But like that's a massive deal for Williams. Yeah. You know, they could end up like low midfield which would just be absolutely huge for them. But they've got to have the right people behind the wheel. And look, we don't truly know, but from the outside, it's looking like that difference is remaining. And Mm. I think it's a shame. I would say just maybe to pick a couple of other people out to actually some people that didn't actually score points. (laughs) Jogan Yu in at 11th again. Almost got got it. Yeah, almost got it. Uh, And Mick Schumacher finishing uh, uh, ahead of Kevin Magnussen this week which i'm really excited about and alonso had a great race oh. uh, unfortunately was just hurt on strategy a little bit there yeah man i feel for fernando i mean again sort of just like carlos super unlucky i mean to be fair i guess in qualifying it was potentially his fault because it seemed like there was some kind of hydraulic issue where he tried to go into the corner and it didn't downshift it's not entirely clear but obviously incredibly unfortunate because he could have easily been you know top four top five and qualifying so he started, and then uh, mm-hmm. just the strategy didn't work out for him. I mean, he was doing well for a little while, but he just was—he just needed like one more safety car or something at the end to kind of help him take a cheap pit stop, which ultimately is a big reason why George actually got P3. Yeah. He was incredibly lucky. He was going in the pits right as the safety car came out. He saved a ton of time, leapfrogged a bunch of people, including Lewis, who I will say was uh, Max-esque, complaining a little yeah, bit on the radio. Yeah, what was that? He was like, like <laughs> Lewis was 
complaining about the fact that I guess the Mercedes mechanics couldn't see into the future? <laughs> like, I'm not really sure what he was so upset about. Like, he came in at, look, he came in at the right time for him at that moment to mean that he was still able to get in fourth, right? No safety car and he would have been third. But you can't, I think this was potentially what got Albon into the situation that he was in. You can't always hope for safety cars and build that as your strategy, right? Yeah. I think this is the same for Fernando as well. I don't know why he didn't come in during one of the safety cars. That just didn't happen. And then maybe they were hoping for another one, but it never yeah. came. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I think it's one of those things where it's tough to see these things, especially because, I mean, we did have multiple safety cars. Yep. It is a track that will bite you if, you know, you're a little too greedy or you're not totally on top of things. But, yeah, I just... It was one of those moments for me where you know, I feel like I was pretty rough on Max last episode uh, in hindsight. Um, and then to see Lewis just like, man, you, you were. Really I mean, up. it was kind of funny. <laughs> Most of the follow up we were getting, it was all focused around what you were saying rather than what I was saying about Max, which I think is a new one. Yeah, I feel Let like me you're... just say Max Verstappen, incredible driver, world champion. Woo, go Max. We love you, Max. Uh, but Austin thinks that you're a spoiled. <laughs> Yeah, whatever. Uh, but You're look, a spawn title brat, signed Austin Evans. <laughs> look, uh, I just say uh, much love for Max. Just, just saying, uh, got a little of those vibes from from Lewis as well. Um, but Adam is saying that one of the things Lewis is complaining about is he did want to stay out longer. See, that was his thing. So I think that's where it came from. It is nobody's fault, as Adam points out. But him making that complaint that he made is it. Lewis's choice was to stay out longer. So he would have, if they would have done what he wanted by his thinking, he maybe would have been able to benefit from that. But again, we've been bitten by this both ways multiple times. We've seen drivers hit by this. There's nothing that can happen. But mm -hmm. you maybe you can understand why he's upset because he wanted it. But like, look, at the end of the day, Lewis, you were fourth. The most that you would have got otherwise is third. Like, it's fine. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And of course, you know, we always hear, you know, if you're watching the, the, the Sky Sports feed, you always get the snippets that might not necessarily tell the whole story. Um, but yeah, uh, they're picking the things that sound best, right? Exactly. And you always want to hear Who those. Sure. You, why did you, my tires, blah, blah, blah. Like, uh, it's fine. I'm curious. Mike. Can I just say on that, there was that moment where. <laughs> <laughs> when Charles was like, can we go for the fastest lap? And they're like, Charles, no. you're good. You, you've already got it. And he's like, but, okay, but. <laughs> and it was just, that was it. I just really enjoyed the, no, it was okay, but, okay. And that was, uh, there was a moment where I was like, does Charles even know that Max isn't in the race anymore? Like, does he even know he's kind of just out there doing his thing, you know? And then on the other side, you had Checo being like, hey, what was wrong with Max's car? Like, don't worry about it. It was his thing. Like, <laughs> yeah, that like, was so good. Uh-huh, sure. Yeah, yeah. His car is totally different from yours, and you're fine. Yeah. Okay, sure like, thing, oh, boss. Wait. Is that like two races ago where he went out and then I like 20, <laughs> uh, two minutes later flew out? So no, 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 no. Very funny. Who was your underperformer of the race? Uh, look, I think it perfect segue into Red Bull. Um, obviously, they had decent pace. They were clearly the second fastest car of the day. And Checo was able to bring that P2 in, which again, is exactly what Checo's job is to do, which is to not only pick up the pieces when Max is not around to do so, but also just to sort of maximize the team sort of points haul. But look, we already went over it. I'll keep saying it again. It is unacceptable for the reigning world champion team to have two DNFs for Max and one for Checo in three races. Like, 
that is, I know that obviously there's new regulations and, you know, they're trying to get on top of the cars. I know all that. I know all that. But these are the kind of gaps where Red Bull could be incredibly fast for the rest of the season. And it might still be difficult if Charles is still back there getting P2, P2, P3 every race. There's a huge gap that Max has to pick up. And at this point, yep. it's not impossible. It's certainly anyone's game. But uh, a couple more races like this, and I think Red Bull may have dug themselves too deep of a hole, which is incredibly unfortunate because while everyone else has got a brand new car, I don't think anyone has seen, with maybe the exception of like Aston Martin, the kind of poor reliability. I think Aston's just- co- drivers are causing them problems. and It seems like Red Bull's car is causing them problems, yeah. right? Like Aston, you know, like today, it's because Vettel spent out. Um, you know, thinking back to last year, right? The, the driver, the world championship was only so close because of the fact that Max had more DNFs than Lewis. Like, True. That was why it was one point by the end. So these DNFs now will make a difference later on. I mean, they're making a difference now, right? Mm. Like right now they're making a difference, you know? Like we're saying that like, Max down to sixth now, you oh. know? Like he, his, his season starting off poorly yeah. and it's not his fault. Yeah, I mean, you figure, I don't know what the math is on where, where he would have been, uh, but I mean, he would have had two P2s, right? So he would have been, you know, uh, way, way, way closer to Charles now. And it's, 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 yeah, I mean, well, he would be sitting behind him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But right, with just like a few sure. points gap, not like 50 yeah. points or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I guess because that would be, he won, right? Max won a race. Yeah, he won a race. Yeah, so Max so they won would a be, race. It would and- be basically neck and neck between the two of them now, right? Because they would have been trading off. Yep, one yep. way so, or the other. So basically, it would have been Charles one one two, Max one two two. So they would have been yeah, very very close. Uh, super unfortunate. What's your underperformer of the race, and why is it Max Verstappen? Because you love him. N- no, Carlos. <laughs> oh, I don't. Yep. I don't exactly know what happened to Carlos Sainz today, but it wasn't great. Oh, man, right? He had a terrible start. Terrible yeah. start. Um, the, and then he seemed to not be able to find grip in the car and just span it right out. And also, really badly. Like, he was mm. lucky he didn't take out multiple cars because yeah. he went straight back onto the track sideways. Uh, it was not great. It was really not great. Like, there were other people that went off at that part and they kind of were able to keep the car in a straight line, right, over that grass. But uh, Carlos went sideways. He just kept going sideways. And luckily, the Haas were able to get around him. Um, it was not great, and it's not great for him. Uh, it's it's pretty unfortunate, I think. And so, sorry, Carlos, I I love you, but I I think you were probably the most disappointing for me of the day. Yeah, I mean, I want to give him some credit because a lot of his issues were not really related to him. You know, I mean, you know, he wasn't his fault that the red flag came out. It wasn't his fault that Ferrari literally mm-hmm. couldn't get his engine started in the pit lane yep. and he lost a couple of minutes and came out. And, yep. You know, he started really low. Uh, I don't know what happened with Carlos it, it in the beginning. Isn't, I mean, I think a lot of the time, the underperformance isn't necessarily focused on it being the driver's fault, yeah. but it is the way that the cards lie. And I was expecting more out of Carlos today. And yeah, I mean, didn't it, get it. Yeah, not uh, in a weekend where he should have absolutely been easily on the podium, the fact that he was nowhere near it and, you know, ended up making, what, one lap or whatever, super, super disappointing. Um 
I'm sure he's going to be very upset. <laughs> I'm sure it's going to yeah. be a not fun debrief after after the race. But you know, these things happen. These are professional racing drivers. They understand. You know, they'll get back up and they'll be back at it in Italy in a couple of weeks. But um, yeah, it's it, it is a absolute dream start start for for Charles, and it's pretty rough for most everyone else who wants to have even a, a hope of trying to compete for the championship. Mike had just pointed out in the live chat that Charles got the Grand Slam today. He which, did. Uh, is pole in qualifying, uh, winning the race, and getting fastest lap, right? Uh, uh, which makes him the 26th person to do that. I Don't quote me on this. I think Grand Slam is also leading every lap, right? Yes. While, sorry, yeah. Winning while leading every lap of the race in the same weekend. Yeah, which is incredible. Amazing. I mean. Look, I love to see it. I also love to see you people do love fight to for the it. lead. You know, the last couple of races was We're going to get it. We're going to get it. We're going to get more of it. Like, I, I have no concern about that. This, this Max would have been there with him. He yeah. would have been there with him. But he just, yeah. he just wasn't today. Yeah. Mike, it's, what's kind, your- it's really funny for me. I, I would just say just for a second. I've been meaning to bring this up. So there's some billboards, old billboards in London uh, with Sky Sports promoting the Formula One season. And they're hilarious to me because it's oh, really? two cars going at each other, right? And the the whole thing is it's only live once. That's the the, the tagline, right? <laughs> it's a Mercedes and a Red Bull, and they're like going at each other because two things they're thinking of there. One, they're just assuming performance stays the same. Two, they're yeah. assuming that the big rivalry this year is going to be Lewis back on Max. None of these things are happening. <laughs> but it just it really it really makes me laugh every time. They were like, we know how this is going to go. Look, man, no. you got you got to print the posters at some point. Yep. You can't wait till the but last look, second. <laughs> everyone thought it was going to be this, right? But it just yeah. isn't. Uh, so that's just the way that it's going. Uh, so I'm I'm curious, Mike. What was your favorite thing for from the race? Because I know for me, it was great to not only be back in Australia, right? I mean, I mm-hmm. think you know we have to remember that this is the first Australian Grand Prix since 2018. We weren't there in 2021. 2020 was when literally the entire season got canceled right before the race got started. Uh, that was a huge thing. And also it was for me, great to see Ferrari up Mm -hmm. at the front. It's great to see them in the lead. But what I'm really concerned about is just them running away with it. Obviously it's great to see Leclerc. I think he seems like a super solid guy and obviously Ferrari deserves some wins and you know, it's, it's such a historic team. But after we were absolutely spoiled with an incredible season last year, I think it'd be a little bit of a shame if the beginning of yep. this era is just Ferrari just winning, you know, 15 races and being, you know, 200 points ahead. Like I, I, that would do a huge disservice, in my opinion, to what this season could be, especially because there's so much other sort of exciting things that are going on. I will say for me, my favorite thing in the race was the track because I hadn't seen it before. I hadn't seen the, the Australian Grand Prix, so mm-hmm. that was definitely something that I enjoyed. Um, I understand what you're saying about Ferrari. I but I still stand by the fact that we're too early, and and I and I do think things are going to start changing. I think things have already started to change. We've seen that, you yeah. know, the results this week look very different to results in previous weeks, and it's not just where it's not the standings; it's the time differences. Mm. So you know, like Mercedes were very were, were a couple of seconds away at points, if not less, than the people in front of them, which has not been the case. They have been holding up the midfield right um, yeah. in previous weeks. That wasn't the, the case, and again, McLaren. Vastly different this week. Very close to Mercedes. Yeah, a few seconds away, but they were there with them. So I think we're starting to see that change. I think over the next few races, we move towards quarter of midway through the season. 
yeah, are going to no. start to see more and more change. And similarly, Red Bull are going to get on top of this. What they've got going on, they're going to get on top of it. And they're going to be putting in more race wins. Max is going to be putting in more poles. Like, it's going to happen. Um, but I do think it's fantastic to see Ferrari on top because it's fun. It's different. This is, you know, this was what everyone, including me, was hoping for from the regulation change. Mm -hmm. There was going to be differences. The yeah. differences, depending on who you root for, are better or worse. If you're a, if you're a Ferrari fan, if you're in a Tifosi, you are having a great time right now. <laughs> <You're> <laughs> and, you know, what I love about this is I'm getting to see potentially a new world champion. And oh, I love that. Right. Because that will mean in the three seasons that I've been really focused on this sport, I get a different world champion each time. <laughs> now, if you look back from the three, five years previous, it wasn't that way. It was <laughs> one guy. And I like this. I like seeing this. It, 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 it's more exciting for me rather than being able to just naturally predict how the races are going to go. I can't do that right now. You know, I could, I would have told you today, oh, I reckon Ferrari's going to win this, but I would not have predicted the order that we got. Absolutely. And I think Damien in the chat has a great point as far as we really haven't seen upgrades on the cars. We've seen minor little things here and there. But mm -hmm. I think now that we're getting back to the European legs, I think now that the teams have had a few weeks to start getting on top of what the real issues with the cars are, because it's easy to forget a lot of these upgrades are weeks and months in the making, right? Like they may have mm -hmm. started working on some of these big upgrades, you know, when they did the first test in Barcelona, you know, two months ago, however long it's yep. been at this point. So Demi, I think has a great point that it is easy to see that we could be having major upgrades. Now, again, I, I just want to stress that obviously all the teams are bringing upgrades as much as they can. And, you know, if they've got the, the money for it, you know, it's a little different than previous years where the big teams would just throw everything at the cars, every race where everyone has to be a little bit more reserved and a little bit more conservative. But that being said, I do think that there could potentially be some shifts to the orders. It's a matter of who's going up, who's staying the same and who's going down. And I think that there's no easy way to tell, but obviously if you're already at the top, uh, it's a good, good place to be and to continue to develop your car from. Yeah, I mentioned this last time, but I was what you know some of the stuff that I've been reading and watching is saying that the expectation is for teams like Mercedes, a lot of those upgrades would be expected by Spain, which is in May, which is three races from now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's still still some time, but they're making changes. You can see it. You can see that these cars they're getting tweaked. Yeah, absolutely. And plus, another thing that's important is just the teams need time to get their heads around these cars, you know, for setups and whatnot. I mean, there's a lot of performance that could be unlocked if you get, you know, your ride height just right and kind of everything sort of tweaked and tuned as necessary. Something else to consider, all these cars, or at least most of them, are overweight right now, right? So in Formula One, there is a minimum, I'm sorry, a minimum, yeah, minimum weight that uh, the cars can be right so they can't be any mm -hmm. less than that particular weight which 700 and something kilos um but the problem is, is that because there's so much extra like crash structure and all this kind of stuff to, that's evolved with these vehicles not to mention the fact that the tires and the wheels are heavier and whatnot there are a lot of teams right now which are running over that weight limit traditionally that's not the case most pretty much all teams have been under the weight limit what they do is they add a little bit of ballast to kind of like balance the car out right so if you know you're 10 kilos under the weight limit. Oh, you maybe want to put a little bit up in the front or the back, and that's another way that you can kind of tweak and tune. But most of the teams are running over the weight limit, which, not, which means that not only do they not have the flexibility of that, but also it's a majorly big deal if you're running over the weight limit. Even an extra kilo or two that you have to drag with you for a race distance costs real time. I know that was actually one of the things. Do you mean Mercedes over said. the weight limit or that they're just heavy? Because obviously the weight limit would be a rule, so right? You, everyone should be uh, traditionally 
every single car should weigh the exact same, right? Like that's the minimum weight. You can, there's nothing stopping you from running your car a hundred kilos overweight. I mean, you could do whatever you want, but basically all the vehicles should be at the exact same weight realistically, right? And traditionally that's the way it's been. However, because these new regulations have completely changed the cars with so much new, a lot of the teams just can't quite get down to that weight. So if okay. you know, you're running three, five, 10 kilos over, I mean, that's, that could cost you tenths of a second per lap. Yeah, across I understand the whole what you're saying now. It's not because when you say over the weight limit, that makes it sound like that they're illegal, right? But I, but you mean is there is a minimum weight, and what you want is every car is on that minimum weight. But at the exactly. moment, a lot of them are higher than that minimum weight, which yep. is making them go slower. Exactly. Right. Yeah. I, I don't. It's hard to say exactly how far. Like, uh, you know, Alpine were talking about it because you know they have those little like stays on the um, on the floors and whatnot, which have kind of helped to keep some of the the flexing. Uh, but mm-hmm. also, you know, a lot of teams like uh, Alpine have got thicker floors with more material, which just weighs more. So it does seem like most teams are some amount of kilos over what they could be and if they can you know develop their way and kind of trim weight here and there that'll just instantly unlock performance because you know what every race car ever would like to do be lighter because the less weight the less sort of fuel you need to push you the faster you can go in the straights and the corners like weight is the enemy period when it comes to a race car so i think that's one of the other things that these developments will hopefully kind of help to improve yep so uh next race where are we in imola right Absolutely, which is really exciting. Um, I know that that's not traditionally been a track that has been on the calendar for all that long. I know it's had you know a past and dropped off for a while. It does seem like Imola's got a semi-permanent sort of place on the calendar now. And of course, we're going to go to Miami next, which I'm also going to be excited for after that. Um, but we've got some pretty major races coming up before we kind of get into the standard European leg of races. I know. Are there any races that you're excited for? Because I know for me, I hope that the Miami race is good i'm excited for miami because it's new yeah yeah exactly so we don't know what to expect and i i genuinely do like it when there's a new track and the drivers haven't raced it before like i like that because they don't know either and i i kind kind of find that to be a fun experience where no one's really sure how the week's gonna go I, i i think that's fun you know absolutely absolutely um, also, Trish is asking a question. Do we like the helmet mm-hmm. cam? Uh, absolutely. Uh, oh, I love it. Yes I and no. It. Okay, here's, I love it, but it also makes me feel uncomfortable watching it sometimes. <laughs> I like mean, where yeah. there was one with Alonso when he's looking in his mirrors and it's like, it's like it's a lot, right? Like it's a lot to handle. I like it, but I, I wish they were a little more particular about some of the, the angles, that some of the uh, scenes that they show. I think yeah. sometimes it can be quite hard to watch. Yeah, I mean, I agree. It to me, I'm impressed with you know, like you said, that opening shot with Alonso, sort of, he's nonstop looking left and right in his mirrors and kind of picking his breaking point. Like, I think it does a great job of showing just how many things an F1 driver is doing, especially at the beginning of a race. But also, there's a good moment, as sort of Trish pointed out, when like Carlos was getting out of the car and his helmet was still on, so you see him, you know, just undoing his belts and stuff like to me i like having that sort of first person pov to kind of mm-hmm. see what the drivers are looking at um it's cool i think they're starting to roll it out to more and more people i think actually one of the mclaren guys may have also had the camera like, i think it's it definitely seems like it's rolling out i love it seems like they pick and it. choose right not everybody has it because i remember last problem. season they were doing it with one person at a time for a few races right um, but that see, but now it seems that like there's more. I guess the plan is to keep rolling it out. I mean, I, a, I would like a higher quality camera uh, if they can it's do tiny. that in, in the future. I know it's small, and of course you're dealing with it's in the visor, right? Too, which I think is part of the the vision issue. Um, but it is fun. 
it, it is it's a fun view let's say i wish sometimes that they were just a little bit more particular because some of the views are rough <laughs> but i do like with some of the stuff like we're seeing with the bouncing of the cars right you can get that view more you you can see more of it it's like it's an it's another good data point for the viewer of like this is what it's like to drive one of these things so that's fun mm-hmm yeah no absolutely um so i think maybe we'll wrap up with some listener yep. questions so okay. of course shout out to everyone in the live chat who's been giving us lots of great stuff throughout um but i know that we have a specific one from james who's asking have either of you ever been to a race in person and are there any plans to visit a race together in the future well james of course for our future tax ride i mean our future great <laughs> weekend in vegas next year we're really excited about that um so I actually don't know, Mike. Do actually neither of us have firm plans to see a race this year, right? I know we're both talking about some potentials. No. If you're gonna go to Silverstone, right? Maybe. Well, this is the thing. Okay, so a few months ago, they had a page go up. Give us your email when the tickets go on sale. So I put it in. Now a few days, like last week or so, I was like, "Did they ever go on sale?" Yeah, they did. They're all <gasps> sold out. Wait, but no one emailed me. Oh, oh no. So no, so as it stands right now, no, we're not going. I put my name oh. in for like. There's like another thing where you can put your name in to like it'll contact you if other tickets become available. Yeah. But as it stands right now, the answer is no, but not through lack of trying. Oh, that's brutal, I know. man. I'm very upset about this because I really wanted to go this year. Oh. Uh, but as it stands right now, no, I won't be going to Silverstone. But I'm gonna. I am gonna try. Oh, that's that sucks. I have not been to a race. Uh, last race I went to was the 2019 Austin Grand Prix. Uh, mm -hmm. We had plans of going in 2021, and then uh, this thing called a baby showed up, which kind of ruined yep. some plans on my side. So you know, maybe he wants to come and hang out uh, this year. Uh, I'd love to go to Miami. I, that's not gonna happen. Um, I would love to go to Austin this year if it's possible. Um, Mike, maybe if you, if you know, how about this? Instead of going to Silverstone, which is obviously a terrible track and a bad country and all this kind of stuff you never want to go to, why don't you come hang out with Austin and me? And again, in we'll, Austin. in Austin, I would with do Austin. this. When but, is it? Uh, I believe it's November. I believe it's November. I think it's early November because I think it's right. Uh, uh, late, it's late October. You have no idea what you're talking about. Uh, it's the 21st to 23rd of October. <laughs> Close. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I would do it. I would do it. Well, look, it's another great tax rate. I mean, a great experience for the backmarkers listeners. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we're just here to Southern sacrifice Union. our time and our, our energy to, to, to better make a show for you. Because I'm sure, mm -hmm. what would you like to do? Watch a live stream of Mike and I's cameras shutting off every five seconds? Or would you like to see us walking around the paddock, hanging out with our buddy Seb and, and talking about how great uh, Lewis's 17th victory in a row is? I mean... <laughs> Mm -hmm. Seems like a pretty easy answer to me. <laughs> it's funny you say about the camera stuff. So we do record this live. You can catch us live after every race at backmarkers.live. And you can also get the audio on demand whenever you want it. Austin's camera usually freezes. This week, mine's been shutting off. I don't know what's going on. What I think is this is just the wrong time for both of us. Too late for you, too early for me. This is not the time to be recording a podcast. Before we wrap up, too, I have a question from Damien in the live chat. As tech uh, media presenters and folks... Do you enjoy the chrome rim, rims on the McLaren? Oh, I love absolutely. them. I think they look great. I think they look fantastic. They look great stationary and in motion. I do not like Alfa Romeo's in motion. Oh, I was about to say the exact opposite. Actually, I think the Alfa ones are the only I other like ones it. that actually I think I like maybe more than the chrome. Stationary, I love it. It may yeah. be my favorite. But when they move, it, to what I don't like, because it's half red, half white, it flickers. Yeah. 
It does, look and a I lot don't like enjoy it. the way it looks like that. Where some of the other teams, it's it looks like it's more of a smooth color, like the the McLaren. It just kind of all kind of melts together. Mm-hmm. Um, but with the Alfa Romeo, it looks like it flickers, and, and I'm not a big fan of that. Yeah, I just honestly the the black rims look bad. They, they just they look, look so generic. It looks unfinished. It looks unfinished. <laughs> like you forgot to do something. Yeah, yeah. So I, I like yep. any team who's at least adding a little paint. I'd love to see. I know that there's some mock-ups before the season started about maybe even adding like some LEDs. Um, yeah, I think what happened to that? Come on. Someone needs to do that, right? I, I, I'm going to just assume that it's one of those things where they got to get the cars underweight and then some interns going to figure out how to like load up LEDs on some wheels or something. But I'd love to see that maybe a little bit later on in this sort of formula a couple years from now or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, Mike, I think it is very late for me it is very early for you yeah i think the 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 listeners are probably half asleep right now unless they're in australia yeah i think we got to wrap up but thank you very much to everyone for joining this late night early morning wrong time edition of the back markers we really appreciate it of course as always feel free to not only subscribe on youtube again at going to backmarkers.live you can also oh, can i say us. it can i like us like and subscribe is the like first time i said it. like and subscribe ring the ding-a-ling bell as Austin would say <laughs> You can also listen to audio episodes of the podcast at relay.fm slash backmarkers. And you can also follow us over on Twitter at backmarkers live. If you'd like to get some spicy uh, tweets that let you know that we're live because, um, <clears throat> you know, we, we go I live occasionally after tweet something. It's I, I'm week. trying to do more of it's that. I am week. trying to do more of that. I want to do more tweets from the Backmarkers account. So that's the thing that I'm I'm thinking about. How can we? How can I tweet some fun stuff? I haven't worked it out yet. Yeah. So th- as Austin said, thank you so much for listening. And if you have questions for us, you can uh, send them in the live chat. And also, don't forget, we do hang out for a little bit of extra with the people that uh, do listen and watch along live with us. But you can also send those tweets in at Backmarkers Live or to me and Austin, uh, and we can get some questions from you uh, from the next race, which is in two weeks right yeah, yeah we've got no race next week so no race next a little week. breather and then we're right on to the next one we're going back to italy which i mean come on all eyes on ferrari to win in italy oh boy the pressure they have bad <laughs> luck in italy usually so i'm sure that charles is already feeling uncomfortable until then thanks so much for listening to the back markers we'll see you next time